I just want to ask you if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 85. I'm going to share a word with you that God has put in my heart. Um, I'm very sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is moving and and leading us. And and so I I wanted to bless you, church. I wanted to thank you for your love for each other. You know, just even in watching you pray, Scooter... You know, stepping out in faith, just believe we need to fight for each other and to watch you get together and pray for people. You know, nobody had to come and take you by the hand and say, no, come on, pray for that. I'm just thankful for freedom and liberty and that we can move around in the church. You know, we're not just sitting in a seat, you know, like we're in a movie theater or something like that, watching a show. But we're we're active in loving one another and in loving God. And I, I just thank you for doing that. I thank you for getting in these altars and Joining us as a choir of praise and lifting up the name of Jesus while people are singing. And we're praying. And we're taking authority over Satan in these altars. We're a choir. We're, we're, we've gathered together in this altar with a, with a spiritual mindset that we are going to believe God for this service today. We're going to believe God to do miracles in this service. And that's what we're doing in this altar. Just like the people that get up on this stage... And they're up here with a mindset to sing these songs and play these songs to worship God and help lead you into the presence of God. We'd call that a choir. That's what we're doing in this altar. We're a choir and we're crying out to God to come be with us. We want more than a church service. We want your presence. We desire the presence of God. We like to worship Jesus Christ. This is all for him. And um, we're very conservative in our beliefs and in our approach to God. And we certainly depend and desire for the Holy Spirit to have his way. We want the gifts of the Spirit to operate. I thank God for Tanya just even trembling, you know, having this to share this morning. It was a blessing to be able to hear that. It speaks loudly to us because we believe it's of faith and of the Spirit. So I just welcome you here this morning. But I'm just so thankful for your heart of faith to really do something in faith towards God and with one another because we really do need the body of Christ in this hour. I believe in the rapture of the church. I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And and I believe we need the body of Christ more than ever for strength and encouragement in our life. I'm not saying I need a church to attend. I need the body of Christ to be a part of. And I need people that know me. I need people that know me really good so that they know when I'm hiding something, they know I'm hiding it. Um, when, when I'm trying to look happy and they know that I'm not. And, and they're able to get peel back the layers of that and say, all right, tell me how I can pray for you because I can just see that you need that. I want Christians in my life like that. And I'm grateful for you. I'm very thankful for you. And I just pray that we could see, like these baptisms today, I just pray that we could just see this baptismal full all the time. That was a desire in Felix, and it's a desire in our hearts just to see people coming into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read a verse out of Psalm 85 in just a moment. But I wanted, first of all, to read a passage of Scripture that's from the Old Testament. And I wanted to share this with you, and I just want you to listen to it. And then I'll tell you where it's from. But it says this, they might be close to death. Their lives about to end. But maybe one of God's thousands of angels is watching over them. 
to speak for them and to tell about the good things they have done. Maybe the angel will be kind and say to God, save this one from the place of death. I have found a way to pay for his life. Then that person's body will become young and strong again. He will be as when he was young. He will pray and God will answer. He will worship God and shout with joy. He will again stand as right before God. He will tell everyone, I sinned. I changed good into bad. But God didn't give me the punishment I deserved. God saved me from going down to the place of death. Now I can enjoy life again. And God does all these things for people again and again. And he wants them to be saved from death so that they can enjoy life. That is taken from Job 33. Verses 22 through 30. And I know that these verses come from people that lived in a time there was no Bible. And so they were just seeking God without a lot of direction. They had no scriptural guardrails, if you would. But what's interesting to me is that there was a knowledge about God in that day before there was ever a Bible. Before there was ever the book of Genesis, these guys that lived in Job's day, they had absolutely nothing to read about God. But they just knew that there's mercy with God. They just knew that. And perhaps there's hope with God. And perhaps for people that are on their way to death, if, if, if just somebody would stand in the way and intercede for them, then perhaps God would not let them die and maybe God would save them. And they would be able to say, you know what, I sinned and I turned the good things of God into bad, but God didn't give me what I deserved. And it's beautiful to be able to understand, even before there was a Bible, there was this understanding of of redemption and an understanding of grace that would come from God. These men with their limited knowledge and these men who had come to counsel Job and didn't do a good job of counseling him very well. One of the men is the man who made this statement that I just read from. But I will say this to you, even though there are thousands of angels in heaven and there are multitudes of people that are on their way to death, I'm very thankful this morning that I'm not relying upon an angel in heaven to stand up for me. And I'm not hoping that maybe this angel in heaven will stand up for me on my behalf and go to the throne of God and maybe speak something good for me and say, Oh God, Almighty God on the throne, let me give you a a good thing that Lee has done or maybe a couple of good things that Lee has done so that you will spare his life because there's absolutely nothing good that I've ever done. All I can say is I have sinned and I have sinned again and I have sinned again and I've always come up short of what God has expected of me. But I thank God that there is one who has pleaded my cause. And I thank God that it is not an angel but it is Emmanuel himself. God who is with me. God who is for me.
Did not have to find something good in me to go to his father. But he went with the good that was in him. And he imputed that to my behalf. And he went to his father with his blood for my life. And God spared me from going down into the grave. God spared me from death. I didn't get what I deserved. I got mercy and I've got redemption. And I've been given forgiveness and righteousness with God. Because Jesus Christ interceded for me. Jesus stood up for me. Jesus went to the cross for me. Jesus rose from the dead for me. Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus is the high priest for me. And he speaks up for me. And I'm so grateful for Jesus Christ and I love him and I'm so thankful for what God has done for me through his son Jesus and the mercy that God has given me. I read these questions in the Bible. I read questions that the psalmist have asked of God and I see I see things about God being eternally just and eternally righteous and pure and holy and I understand myself for what I am. And I understand that there is no good thing in me that is in my flesh. There's not one good thing that is in me. Sometimes we ask, you know, questions about God. And we ask questions towards God about redemption and life and the everlasting life with him. And we say, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy for God. And it might be one of the most true statements we've ever made in our life. It's not on the basis of our worthiness. It's the basis that God deserves his creation. And he made you. He created you. He formed you. He fashioned you. You were precious in his eyes. He loves you. And it's not even whether you deserve to get to love God. God deserves to love you. Because he wants to. And God deserves to populate heaven with you and people like you. Because he wants to. God deserves our worship. God deserves our praise. God deserves big men to become little men who can bow themselves before a great and big God and worship him unashamedly and love him with all of their heart and cry tears of gratitude to God and sometimes cry cries of desperation, as Scooter said this morning, because they are caught up in a besetting sin and they need God's help. Oh, that we would become so small because our God is so big and he's so worthy and he's so great. That we would allow ourselves to be troubled for God. How can God be in a relationship with me? That is, that is the question. How can God, who is holy, be in a relationship with me? How can a God who is just have anything to do with me? In terms of goodness, in terms of escape, in terms of forgiveness, how can God, who is just, have anything to do with somebody like me? How can he have a relationship with me? Can can he just put aside his justice to be merciful? And what would that look like? What would it look like to have a God who is willing to put aside an attribute of his, which is justice? And he's just going to say, you know what? I'm just going to ignore justice right now because I'm really into you. 
and I love you so much that, that I'm just going to forgive you of all of your sins, and I know that you're guilty of them all, but I'm just going to set aside justice. What kind of God would that be? What's he going to set aside tomorrow? What's he going to do with us next month? What, what, what's he going to do a million years from now? How is he trustworthy? How can we put faith in him if he's willing to set aside his justice today? Maybe he'll set aside his mercy tomorrow and choose to be ferocious. This changing God is no good. This God that's up one day and down the next. This God that's willing to overlook something today. Put aside an attribute of his today. And then maybe put another one aside tomorrow. Is is not a God that I think is going to be pleasant in the end. But this God. This, this, this God. This creator. This almighty, holy, just, merciful, loving God. Changes not. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And then, and then we might, we might reason, you know, as we do as humans, because we are unjust. <clears throat> we are not lawful. We, we do not reason well. We, we don't. I, I mean, it happens all the time. Uh, just consider how often you've let yourself off the hook and you won't let somebody else off the hook. Think of how many times you've justified yourself and you're having a hard time forgiving others. Think of the numbers of things you know that you're guilty of. And perhaps nobody else knows that you're guilty of them. But it's so easy for you to point your finger at others who are being exposed in their sin. We're not just. We're corrupt. And so oftentimes we kind of sit back and we think, you know, well, if God is God and God can do anything, this is what the atheists are asking, you know. If God is God and God can do anything that he wants to do, then why is there any evil in the world anyway? And why is there pain and why is there suffering and why is there heartache? Because God cannot forego or exclude or ignore an attribute that's in his nature. And so when God wrote up the terms for us to read and says that the soul that sins, it shall die. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Why would he say that? Why do that? You know it's your son that's going to have to bleed and die. So why make that the term? I mean, you're God. You're writing this all up. And it's not like God was just kind of, you know, going through the galaxies eons of years ago, just going through the galaxies. And he stumbled upon this planet and he pulled up this thing. He said, wow, what is that? Ten commandments. That looks good. I think I'll create a world and do that. I like that. Oh, and if anybody breaks them, they're going to die. Break them and you die. All right. And so God's kind of like, okay, I'm going to create this world and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to create a world of humanity and I'm going to give you these rules. And if you break them, you die. And then we break the rules and God comes along and says, okay, well, these were the rules. You broke them and you die. That's not the way it happened at all. What this whole world has been laid out and set forth. By the righteousness and the the integrity of a God who is omniscient. And a God who is all powerful. 
And so God didn't read these rules and the terms of punishment. And God didn't say, if you do this, then this is the type of punishment. Or if you sin, then there has to be the shedding of blood. No, it was the nature of God. It was just what's right. It's just what's just. I'm going to create a world. And in that world, I'm going to make a creature in my image. And I'm going to give that creature access to me. And I am desiring to be intimate with that creature. I want that creature to worship me. And I want to love that creature. And I'm going to allow that creature to make a choice. And if he doesn't choose me, then he will choose rebellion. And in that rebellion, there'll be death. And if there's death, the only way back from death, there has to be a sacrifice of blood. Because that's what's right. That's what's just. It's not because I read that. It's not because the Supreme Court in heaven said that. It's the nature of God's justice that said that. And why is there human pain and suffering in the world? Because of the justice of God. It's the justice of God that has allowed things to go into motion because of men's choices. And forever God has desired mercy because that's one of his attributes as well. I have desired mercy more than judgment. Because that's his attribute and he can't change that either. And so as much as God's justice is at work, God's mercy is at work. But you've sinned against me and you've rebelled against me and you've turned against me. And oh, how I love you and how I long for you. But you've turned your backs on me and you've sinned against me and you've broken the laws. And the only right thing that I cannot ignore is judgment and death. It's what's right. But what can I do? Psalm 85 It's a beautiful prophecy that's here. Psalm 85 verse 10 says, Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And that's what God did at the cross. All of God's justice was completely satisfied as Jesus hung there on that cross. And when the sin of the world was placed upon him, mercy ran and kissed justice. And those two demands in the nature of God were absolutely married. Together. Now God can be just. And God can be merciful. And God can forgive sin. And God can reconcile. And God can restore. And God can forgive. And God can provide and prepare and proclaim to us. I have a better life for you. A better hope for you. A better home for you. A better future for you. I'm going to give you eternal life with me. Where there's no suffering. No pain. No death. No devil. No hell. No torment. No judgment. No wrath. I'll give it all to you now. I can. Because mercy kissed justice. When my son died. 
And now I can do these benevolent things to you, not because I'm unjust, but because justice has been satisfied. And now I can expose to you my mercy that's fresh and new every day. And so some of us have a difficult time receiving God's mercy because we're still caught up in the justice of it all. Sometimes we're so aware of ourselves and we're so aware of what we've done. We're so aware of our failures. And so we implement into our own life particular types of punishment, particular types of pain, particular types of sacrifice that we think will be, you know, if if I do these things, then I'll gain God's favor again. No, the soul that sins, it shall die. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So my only place to go is the blood of Jesus time and time and time again. I cry for mercy by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Where mercy kissed justice and justice kissed mercy, righteousness and peace kissed one another and met. And we're both satisfied and happy. And God has done that for us. And God has done that for me. Spurgeon said this. Let your tears fall because of sin. But at the same time. Let the eye of faith steadily behold the son of man lifted up. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. That those who are bitten by the old serpent. May look unto Jesus and live. That was the message he got saved under when he walked through the cold and the snow into a church service where it was so bad only a handful of people could attend and the deacon preached that message and he simply closed. He says, look unto Jesus and live. And Spurgeon said, I looked unto Jesus and I've never looked away. He said, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow than diminish the great mercy of God. If heaven were by merit, it would never be heaven to me. For if I were to be in it, I should say, I am sure I am here by mistake. I am sure this is not my place. I have no claim to it. But if heaven be of grace and not of works, then I may walk into those golden gates and those streets of gold with the boldness that I belong here. For he has brought me home. I want to read two passages of scripture in the New Testament. First one is in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. I love this. I pray that this would be something that gives your heart great joy and great delight. The Bible says in Colossians 1, verse 5, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. This gospel came to you as it has into all of the world. The hope 
that's laid up for you in heaven. And I, I want to share this with you, even if it's by way of remembrance, it's so important to remind you of this. There is a hope that's laid up for me in heaven. There's something in heaven I hope in and I trust. And it's waiting for me there. And that hope is explained in chapter 1, verse 21. You that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. My hope in heaven is not then that I'll be reconciled. I'm reconciled now, and I know it. God is my father now, and I love him, and he loves me. God is my father, and he loves me. I had one of those unique nights last night where I woke up often feeling such an intimacy with God as though he were there. And knowing I'm so unworthy of this type of intimacy with him, but he's not. He wanted it with me. And several times through the night, he woke me up. Just telling me. Similar to you, Tanya. Telling me, I am your father. I am your friend. I am your salvation. I am your shield. I am your reward. I am everything. Just speaking that to me. It was so rich, so needed in my life. So my hope in heaven is not to be reconciled. That's happened here on earth. But in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if you continue in the faith. And these things is my hope in heaven, verse 22. That he is going to present me holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Because right now, on earth, I don't feel that. I don't feel that I'm holy. I I believe that if you followed me for, I was going to say for a day, well, let's just make it 10 minutes. (laughs) There'd probably be a lot of things you would reprove me for, especially if you rode in the car with me. Unreprovable, unholy, unblameable. Oh my gosh. Well, you could start a club on who wants to blame me for things. I sense that now. I sense how I would say I'm so unlike Jesus. I would I would sense the my situation that I'm, I'm not holy. I'm not holy like God's holy. I, I'm not unreprovable. There are plenty of things you could reprove me for. And unblameable. I, 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 mean, I spend the whole day blaming myself. I don't even need Satan to do that. I'm doing it myself in my conscience. But my hope in heaven... When I get there, this hope that's laid up for me in heaven is he will be there to present me. And that word present 
means to exhibit, to put on exhibition for the purpose of approving and testing. And so, if I might, Noah, if you'll help me, Noah passes away from this life. He suddenly enters heaven hoping to see Jesus. I'm a bad representation of Jesus, but that's what I am right now. Hoping to see Jesus, right? You have no other hope in heaven but Jesus. No other hope to get there. Jesus meets you and and Jesus is there. And I'm going to show this to you in just a moment. But so glad that you're there. And he is longing. I can't wait to show you my father. And Jesus takes him into heaven. Not Peter at a gate. And if this is the father, he presents him to his father. He's not on exhibition. He's just there by no merit of his own. He's not there for exhibition. What he's been exhibiting is my work of grace. Father, I saved him. With my blood, I cleansed him. I washed him. And I put my righteousness on him. Is he holy? Yes. Do you blame him for anything? Not a thing. Is there anything you would reprove him for? Not one thing. That's my hope in heaven. I feel these things on earth. Amen. Amen. But I don't live by what I feel. I walk by faith. That Jesus is doing the work in my life. And then turn to Jude, if you will. I would need Philip to get up here and dance for me. Because, boy, I really give y'all a laugh if I tried to demonstrate this. So I will defer. Um, How beautiful is this? In the book of Jude, it's... Verse 24 says, now to him, that's Jesus, that is able to keep you from falling. Come on, just lift your hands right there. Praise God. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The Greek there for exceeding joy is leaping up and down, spinning around, springing forth, rejoicing with shouting, excitement, and dancing. That's the way Jesus is going to bring you to his Father. Spinning, twirling, jumping, shouting, dancing, happy, excited, delighted, So wonderful. That's what Jesus is going to be doing when he brings you to the Father. Come on. My God. My God, just to see that. Just to see that. And he's going to do that with every single one of us. How's he going to do that? I don't know. I have no idea. He's going to do it though. It's my hope in heaven. As he presents me before his father in his sight as the work of his grace. 
made righteous and holy and without reproof in his sight, the eyes of the just God, not finding anything unjust in me. And, and that is my hope in heaven, but that is my faith on earth, is that I'm already reconciled to God. Even though I'd spent my life in many wicked works, I'm reconciled to him here and now. I don't live by the bondage of what I feel. I live by the faith of the one who's working in my life. I believe Jesus can do it. I just rely upon Jesus Christ to do it. I trust him with all of my heart to do it. But, but, but let me share this one thing to you. If, if, and just if I could go back to the book of Colossians. And this is the last scripture I'm going to read. Even if I have another one, I won't read it. This is the last one says this, and I'm going to speak a lot about this next Sunday at 9 o'clock, but I want you to hear this. It says in verse 9, for in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Am I lacking holiness? No, I'm complete in him. Am I lacking righteousness? No, I'm complete in him. I'm complete in Jesus Christ. There's nothing lacking. He's the head of all principality and power. In whom also we are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So this is God. Because it's done without hands. This is not how they circumcise the kids eight days old. This is a circumcision that's made without hands. It is actually the putting off the body of of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You are buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And he spoiled principalities and powers, and he just humiliated them in public. So God, when, when, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, something else was going on. It's, it's not just the fact that I'm here as a sinner who's committed to wicked works and failure. And I look to a cross and I believe that God placed his son there and died for me and died for my sins and took my punishment so that I would not have to pay the price of my punishment, which would be eternal damnation. It's not simply that. That's not, that's, that it's, it's not just this event that happened, but when God nailed his son, Jesus, to the cross, he put me there too. I'm, I'm not this sinner that just simply says, oh, Jesus died for my sins and he paid the price of my sins so I wouldn't have, and, and I just kind of walk around this life, living my sinful life, doing my own thing, just doing whatever I desire, maybe go to church a little bit here and there and, you know, participate in sin, but hey, wait, one day Jesus is going to present me before his father and I'm going to be holy and unblameable and unrep... No, 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 no. You must be born again. 
It's not this distant, I'm going to make this confession, I believe God did this in my life. But actually, if, if, if you would understand it, if, if I could, and I had this here, it's such a poor example. All right, let's just say, this is me, and this is me, and this is my body of sin. It's like a cancer, if you will. And left alone, this cancer is going to kill me. And so if I had a cancer in my body that's going to kill me, I need a good physician who's going to do an operation. And he is going to surgically remove this cancer from my body so that I can live and not die. So when Jesus was placed on the cross, God, without hands, circumcised my body of sin. And let just let this represent that body of sin. This he took it off of me. And with my body of sin, not only was Jesus placed on the cross, I was too. I died. I didn't get away with anything. God didn't overlook any of my sins. He took every sin in my nature and took that nature off of me that was going to kill me. And he nailed it to the cross with his son, Jesus Christ. And not only was Jesus on that cross, but I was there and I died with him. And when Jesus rose from the dead, a new man came up. A new man came up. And I reject this flesh. I reject this flesh to be religious. I reject this flesh to be good. I reject this flesh to make me holy. Jesus is my holiness. And Jesus is my perfection. And Jesus is my hope. Because I believe I died with him. And I believe that I was judged with him. Paul said it to the Galatians this way. I am crucified together with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. And now I'm living my life. I'm really a believer. If I've really been nailed to the cross with him and I was buried with him and I rose again with him into new life, I'm really living my life now by faith. There's a lot of people who are living their life by religion and they go to church and they confess Jesus. But They've never been on that cross with him. He just died for you, but you've never died yet. And the wonderful mercy of God is the invitation for you to come to the Lord. And the Lord will put away the offense that is going to kill you. And he will give you life. And you will go through this life hoping and trusting and believing in him. And you will be the work of his grace. And one day you will go to heaven. And will there be anything to blame you for? No, it was nailed to the cross. Will there be anything unholy? No, it was nailed to the cross. Is there anything that God can reprove? No, it was nailed to the cross. I was nailed to the cross. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And none of that old is coming with me into heaven. None of it. So this morning, I just ask you this and pray this for you. That you would be a great lover of God. Because the thing that God really wanted and the reason he did all of this. 
I want you to love me. I want your heart. Just love me. And the question I would ask is, a moment ago I asked the question, how is it that God can even have a relationship with me? The question I ask now after I know all of this, why don't I love him more? Why do I find God so boring when he's really not? Why do I have a hard time praying? Why do I have a hard time being committed? I'm not going to trust myself for that. Even my love for God, I can't, I can't give him that. He's got to give me the Holy Spirit so I can love him. But he does. He gives me the Holy Spirit so I can love him. Oh, how I want to love him more. And I want to love him completely. And I want to love all of him. There's grace for you this morning. If you're in sin, and even if you love it, all right, listen to me. Because some of you are not ready to turn from sin. You enjoy it. So even if you're in sin, and even if you love it, and you enjoy it, you know you need to come out of it. It's going to destroy you. So if you came to him, he would give you a new heart and he would give you new affections and he would deliver you not only from the sin, but the love of it. Because he wants you to love him. He'll do that for you. You can't do it for yourself. If your heart is hard, if you just, if you just know that your heart is hard and you came to him. Because grace or mercy and justice kissed. He can make your heart tender now. He can just do it. He can just do it. He can be just. He can just do it. If you'll let him. If your spirit is cold. And you're dry. And you're boring. If you come to him. He'll ignite you with great fire. And great passion. If you're so uninterested in God. If you would just come to him and tell him that. I'm so uninterested in you. I'm so uninterested in following you. But I know I need to. Is there help for me? Absolutely. You're going to start getting that right away. You're just going to. Because he can do that for you. If you'll come to him that way. Whatever it is. So I want you to stand with me. If you know you need God and you will humble yourself and come to God, then you will find all that that God is, is there to help you. He can be merciful to you now because his justice is satisfied and he can do it legally. What happened when grace and mercy or grace and justice or mercy and justice kissed? What happened when they kissed? It's incredible. God tore the veil in the temple. And he ran out to man. That's what happened when they kissed. He ran out to man. Listen to me. Listen to me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, legally able. To forgive us of our sins. And cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Is there anything 
you need cleansing from? Is there anything you need God to help you with? All he wants you to do is come. He loves being God. He'll be that for you. Begin to ask him. Begin to cry. Begin to trust him. Lay it out before God. Lay it out. Whatever it is. Just you and God. He'll hear you. He's not against you. Maybe you need to be born again. Maybe you need to be circumcised so that your sin nature is nailed to that cross. And all of the wrath of God poured over you through Christ and you are free now. Free from the law. Free from death. Free from the wages of sin. Free from wrath. God offers that to you. It's a gift of grace. Salvation is a gift of grace. You just ask the Lord to save you. He will. Ask Him to give you everlasting life. With Him, He will. Ask you Ask him to give you a new birth. He will make you a new creature. He will. Even if you're involved in something that you love, but you know it's not pleasing to God, you don't have to wait till you hate it. You don't have to wait till it destroys you. You can come now and tell him that you love it. You need a heart change. You need help. I need your help, Lord. Can we fight for one another now? Can we pray for one another now? Believe for one another now? Be merciful to one another. If you have received mercy, give mercy. How beautiful, how beautiful is the Lord. How beautiful you are, Jesus.